there's never a point where we've arrived um, uh, other than resting in, in the grace and care of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You make someone feel uncomfortable, you've broken the law of our day, which is tolerance. podcast from First Presbyterian Church, Episode 3. We continue our series looking at the issue of desire and start a two-part interview with Brad Anderson and David Henderson. In today's episode, we look at how to encourage parents of students and the fight against worldly desires, comfort for parents looking to launch children from the home, and the importance of relationship repairs. I'm Josh Squires, the Minister of Counseling and Congregational Care here at First Pres. Welcome to the 1A a podcast designed to look at how to apply biblical principles in our day-to-day lives. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. For more information, you can check us out at our website, which is firstprezcolumbia.org forward slash 1A. That's firstprezcolumbia.org forward slash 1A. I'm pleased to have on this episode Brad Anderson, our Director of Youth Ministries, and David Henderson, our Director of College Ministries. Brad will be the first one to respond, and then you'll hear David a little later. Both men have over a decade of ministry experience, and we have a lot to learn from them. Now, let's get to that interview. The ones who are probably listening to this podcast are not necessarily the students under your care, though some of them may be listening, but more the parents of the students, grandparents of students, etc., if you were going to be encouraging these students to fight the battle against worldly desire, what would be some of the tips that you could give them about fighting worldly desire? Well, I've seen, uh, if we go back to scripture, it should be just so comforting to see how scripture deals with, with these types of things. You go to Ecclesiastes and it speaks of, you know, there's really nothing new under the sun and and how it deals with vanity and, and desires in that way. So, you know, speaking to older generations, whether it's grandparents, parents, uh, or just uh, older folks in the church who want to raise the next generation up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, uh, there's fighting the desire, their desires, whatever they may be, are truly nothing new. I mean, throughout time, I would tell the older generations, please just reflect on your own upbringing. Beyond that, I mean, just as much as the the older generations need to reflect and be willing to attempt to relate to the younger generations, the the younger generations need to open themselves up, ask questions of their parents and and grandparents and people in the church, pastors, youth leaders, uh, whoever it may be, uh, strongly desiring uh Mm -hmm. to know what it means to grow up Mm -hmm. and we are we are the enduring community and and we have to be the community that our students uh, can use not something that they just see on sundays but but a group of people that we converse with uh throughout life in order to grow up Mm -hmm. and and to grow uh into the lord and and by his word and, and in the body of christ Parents, oftentimes, especially as their children are about to launch, they begin to worry. They no longer have the sort of uh, authority over their children that they once did. 
And they're uh, afraid that as they launch into the world that they're going to fall off this cliff Mm -hmm. into the worldliness and worldly desires. Would you have anything that you would tell either the parents or the students as they prepare to launch into that world for the first time? Yeah, I think it it is a scary time, but I think part of the reason why it's so scary is uh, we can have this feeling, even Brad hit on this really, of things are so much worse today than they've ever been in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. And the reality is nothing is new under the sun. Maybe there's maybe sin does run downhill and, and things progress and certain areas can be darker than others. But but sexual promiscuity was awash and, and all over the place in our parents' time on college campuses. And it is today. Atheism was relevant 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, and it is today. And, uh, and so I think getting to a place where we don't operate out of fear with our children but whether we, where we begin to talk to them about our own experiences that relates. Um, at the end of the day, we do all have desires that we've wrestled with. And I think they do go back, like Brad said, to the questions of who am I. The way I would say it is they, all, they go back to our identity. It's not really about sex or drugs or alcohol or atheism or pluralism or tolerance or you name the struggle. It's about who am I? And who are you? And does it matter? And does anybody care? And uh, I think the way to address that is to talk about um, who God is. And uh, John Calvin said that all true wisdom has its roots in the knowledge of God and the knowledge of self. And I'm actually not sure what comes first. Because as we see God more clearly, we see our distance from Him, our difference from Him, but also that we're made in His image. We see our likeness to Him. We see our wiring. we We see how to live in this world. And as we look in our own hearts, we see how much like God we are and and bearing his image by common grace. And we see how unlike him we are. And then that gap begins to grow and we understand more fully who God is, who I am, and how much we need Jesus. Tim Keller says that there's four four deep roots of every idol. You know, and he describes an idol as when a good thing becomes a God thing or an ultimate thing. And he says that the root of all those are comfort, approval, control, and power. It also starts with the Spirit doing works in people's lives, and we can't force our sons and daughters to find a restedness in Jesus. It's prayer. It's trust. Mm. It's not operating out of fear, but out of God cares about my children more than I even do, Mm. and I want to trust Him with what He's going to do in their lives. I think it it helps for for us all to realize that there's never a point where we've arrived Mm. um, uh, other than resting in the grace and care of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, often uh, you see uh, parents who who parent so that their children either will be like they were or won't be like they were. They, they uh, David, you mentioned um, you know, parenting or, or ministering even in fear. Um, I think when, when we look at these principles, uh, we need to be careful not to think that um, the next generation at some point has arrived. I think it's really important for us to to be conscious uh, or conscious of uh, of the Lord's working in us while we are raising up the next generation. So give them the latitude to find their identity as a redeemed believer in Christ, rather than trying to push them into that particular identity or react out of one's own history to try and make them not repeat the same mistakes mm-hmm. that they and, did. and be honest about our, our, where we, 
where we don't live up to that identity that we even say we believe in Christ. I think the, so many students that I've encountered over the last decade are students who, the ones that have kind of wandered away, oftentimes are looking at their parents and saying, wait, you said you believe this, but you didn't really live this out. Mm-hmm. And there, there was, there was something didn't line up with what you said you believe. And we all do that. I, I struggle to live out what I believe, desperately struggle with that. But can I be honest with my children in that? Can I say, yeah, I, I know. I, I would say I have a rested identity because the verdict is out on me that I am loved by God and I'm his child because of the finished work of Christ. But man, I parent you out of fear sometimes. Man, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I don't believe this at times. Man, I really don't trust the Lord that he's going to take care of you. And so I operate out of fear or, or I control you or I, or I lash out in anger. It's not, I got it together. Now you should get it together. It's, I'm a total mess still as a parent. And I can be honest with you about that son, daughter. Does that give them more of a restedness and an understanding of how to live out the gospel in their own lives? Teaching them that it's okay to not have it all together. In fact, that's why we need Jesus. Um, let's learn how to go to him together. Living out genuinely in front of our children and our students, can you give me practical ways that you could do that in the home? For well, for me and my own children, once again, they're young. I mean, in a sense, it's just put the phone down uh, mm-hmm. because I've I've gotten angry at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been annoyed because they want my attention, and I have an article that I, I have to read, you know. And mm-hmm. and I've have had to go to my children and say, you know, please, please forgive me. And I think uh, when when we talk about desires and where we are, just even in these little things of, of adjusting yourself, even before you get to the big issues, uh, you know, learning to ask forgiveness, um, parents to children, uh, men to men. Um, me to my father and really going to someone and saying, yeah, please forgive me. Yeah, you know there, Brad, uh, seven words, I am sorry, will you forgive me, mm. are so powerful. Maybe it's oversimplified, but I think that's it. Powerful words indeed. Those words, I am sorry, will you forgive me, are the key to affecting a relationship repair. Now, there's a saying inside the counseling world, which is, it's not about the rupture, it's about the repair. Let me explain. What that means is that there's no way to have a perfect relationship. There's no way for you and I to exist together in such a way that we don't step on each other's toes or hurt each other's feelings. So it's not about being perfect. It's about trying to find a way to repair that relationship once damage actually happens. Being able to own your portion of it, to genuinely bring it before someone else, and to ask for their forgiveness is the key there to mending that relationship and to repairing it. If you think I'm beating a dead horse here, because last episode we talked about the elements of repentance, just take a look at the book of Revelation. In the section that covers the seven letters to the churches, five of those letters ask for repentance. Repentance is a big deal. Now, it doesn't just mean to say you're sorry and that that forgives everything. And guys here, I'm especially looking at you. We have a tendency to want to say, once we're convinced, that is, that we've actually done something wrong, we want to say, I'm sorry, right? And that's it. It covers everything. But that's not actually how forgiveness works. It means actually being able to say, I'm sorry, and to hear the other person and for them to get a genuine sense that you are sorry for your actions, 
Also, just because someone forgives you doesn't mean that trust is automatically restored to the level it was at before. So, in other words, there may be consequences and you may have to build up trust over a period of time. As someone who's had a problem with pornography or shopping may have to show their spouse that they're not going to shop and they're not going to view pornography before their spouse actually begins to believe them and trust them as if they didn't have that problem in the first place. Now, one of the problems here is deciding who it is that should ask for forgiveness first, especially in relationships where there's been hurt on both sides. Oftentimes, people present themselves here in a counseling situation and both demand that the other one say they're sorry first. Well, my rule of thumb is that the more mature believer or the one who should be the head, they are the ones who lead in repentance. So husbands, you ask for forgiveness first. Parents, you do likewise, just like what Brad and David are talking about here. Now, let's get back to them. Now, and that starts with me being able to expose my heart to the Lord and say, Lord, what is going on in my heart? Where am I? Do I need to ask for forgiveness for things? Mm. You know, he, he brings that out. I can't sit in front of holy God uh, in a real way without having my heart exposed. Um, but then what does God do? It's when I'm most exposed that I experience most acceptance because of Christ and I see my acceptance more clearly and I rejoice in that and then I want to extend that to others um, but being willing to, 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 to sit my own heart under someone and say I'm a mess I'm a mess I'm not the dad I want to be I'm not the husband I want to be I'm not the minister I want to be I'm not the friend I want to be I, I'm broken in all of these areas uh, God would you please forgive me I'm desperate for Christ that's my only hope uh, and then to be able to extend that to your children and not in a way of of being perfect now, because I know this now I can be perfect, but in a way of saying, son, I, I shouldn't have yelled at you for that. You know, maybe I, maybe I should have even disciplined you, but I shouldn't have yelled at you the way I did. Or, or, you know what? I, I, I operated with you out of sheer anger there and I should have calmed down and dealt with the heart level. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Can you give a five-year-old that kind of power? Um, I think it's healthy and it's good. Um, and I, and I see uh, my boys come alive uh, when they're able to say, yeah, Dad, I forgive you. <laughs> and my heart comes alive as well. And there's reconciliation that takes place because that's the way the gospel works. And then we also model to them in that moment without even having a teachy-oriented time with them that this is the path of restoration and reconciliation. And then I think they're more quick to do it back. And then the relationship is stronger, and maybe we'll actually be able to have more conversations because conversation real conversation comes on the back of a relationship you've been listening to 1a a counseling ministry of first presbyterian church we encourage you to listen to all of our episodes which you can find on our webpage which is firstpreseColumbia.org forward slash 1a you can also check us out on all your favorite podcast applications such as itunes soundcloud or stitcher if you like what you've heard then subscribe Also, don't forget to tell your friends and family about us as well. If you have comments, questions, or an issue that you'd like us to wrestle with, contact us. You can contact us via email at 1A at firstpreseColumbia.org. That's 1A at firstpreseColumbia.org. Or on Twitter, at 1A Podcast. That's at 1A Podcast. Or you can call us by phone, 803 
803-281-1795. That's 803-281-1795. We look forward to seeing you next week and hope that this material has helped you to live out the gospel for each other and for the kingdom. Until then, God bless.